Here's Neymar now. Cavani is there. Balotelli on the turn. Quality. Kalufa Kamado. Oh, what a strike. An absolute beauty for Florian Tomac. Kylian Mbappe wraps it up. Bonjour et bienvenue. Welcome along to the latest edition of Le Bourgeois, the podcast dedicated to this fantastic uh, league that is Liga. Coming up in uh, this week's pod, the champagne is still on ice in the capital as Paris Saint-Germain are brought down a peg or five by Lille. Bruno Genesio says he's jumping ship as Lyon plunge into stormy waters. Marseille and Saint-Étienne both enhance their European chances. And there's a sorry episode in Dijon as racism rears its ugly head in Ligue 1. Joining me this week uh, on the pod, I have Robbie Thompson, who was uh, in Lille last night, thinking he was going to be interviewing some very happy Paris Saint-Germain players about their latest title conquest. It didn't happen, but how are you, Robbie? That's right. I'm I'm very tired and looking forward to talking about Lyon's woes and miseries this morning. (laughs) David Crossan is also here. How are you, Dave? Very good, Matt. Always good to have Dave on to talk about former Newcastle players, but not only, because he knows everything there is to know about Ligue 1, as does Armel Tangi, who made a very solid pod, pod debut a couple of weeks ago. You may have uh, caught that. Armel is back. How are you doing, Armel? Not too bad, thank you. Yeah, pod, not pub debut. <laughs> no, that was a... made a long time ago, the <laughs> pub debut. It was, it was. Now, we're, we're going to start by talking about, I think, the, the biggest uh, topic, the most important topic, and sadly, it's not really to do with football. It's to do with an incident that happened in uh, in Amiens. Sorry, in uh, in Dijon, where Amiens were were playing away from home, and their captain Prince Guano um, put the ball out for a corner. Heard some monkey chants behind the goal, and uh, Prince Guano went and confronted the individual and said to him, "What on earth are you doing? Will you do that to my face?" This individual incredibly did continue doing monkey chants to his face. The players. Um, all came across in, in protest to speak to the officials and, uh, and the two managers. The game was delayed for six minutes while the individual was, uh, was taken away and is going to be prosecuted. It's, it's not the first time we've had uh, an issue with, with racism in Liga. There haven't been big issues. I think, I think that's fair to say. Uh, there was an issue last season in Dijon with, uh, with Mario Balotelli getting abuse. I'm not making excuses and saying that, you know, France is, is OK because even an isolated incident is unacceptable. But um, unfortunately, it happened. Uh, the league uh, immediately made a statement in France and have said, of course, the league condemns uh, the racist insults that uh, occurred and uh, wishes to show its support to Prince Désir Guano. The French league is uh, very active and uh, very determined to try to stamp uh, these issues out. They've had an agreement for some time now with uh, the LICRA uh, organisation, which stands for International League Against Racism and Anti-Semitism. And the LFB have said that they will study the next legal steps to be taken in this case. Now, guys, um, it wasn't uh, it wasn't nice. Um Is it a case of, uh, you know, there's so much going on around Europe at the moment, issues in England, issues in Italy. Do the French league, do the French authorities need to take an important stance? Well, I think there there are several things to take into account about what happened on on Friday night. 
The first is that this, and not to excuse it, as you say, Matt, it's a, it was an isolated incident with one nutcase who clearly was, had, you know, just was frustrated, lost he was, it. And, he was and, drunk and, as well. And, and not that that, again, no, that not again doesn't excuse anything. But we're not talking about 50 or 100 or 150 people in a, in a stand all getting carried away and, and racially abusing a player. The other important point is the reaction. There's been no burying the head in the sand. There's been a united front, whether it was on the pitch as soon as it happened, by the referee, by the players, everyone involved, and the league afterwards, and the whole French society, which has said this is unacceptable. This cannot happen in a football stadium or, or in French society. The, the, the offending person was removed from the stadium, immediately charged. Prince Guano spoke very eloquently about, about what happened to him and how he felt on the pitch as well, and just saying he couldn't believe it, and that he, he was all about saying, look, the important thing now is that we learn from this. And I think that has been the most positive thing, the, the fact that the French League works with supporters and, and with society. A lot of the clubs work as well in trying to change ideas around football and, and make this. And let's try and turn this... You can't turn it into a positive thing. It wasn't a positive no. event. But the reaction has been very positive. Football has a, a massive role in tackling racism. And I think when France won the World Cup in 1998, people rather naively assumed that that was a symbol of, of racial harmony, that in France it was known as the team of the black blanc beurre, as the people of Arabic ethnicity, uh, the whites and the blacks, came together to win the trophy for France. But then four years later, you had Jean-Marie Le Pen in the second round of the presidential elections. And of course, two years ago, his daughter, Marine Le Pen, got 10.5 million votes in the second round of the presidential election. So you can't dissociate football from society, unfortunately. No, and um, the most astonishing thing, if I can just say, the thing yeah. that keeps coming back is, is this person, if he's at a football match, should be a football fan. They have people of all different ethnicities, foreign players, immigrant players, second generation French players yeah. in this team, and he supports them. Who was he cheering for during the World Cup? No, was I he mean, cheering for Kylian Mbappe's goal in the final against Croatia? I don't Croatia? think, we should, give, celebrating I don't think we should give the the uh, the person in question the the publicity. I mean, I I'll, I'll just you know, finish on him and say that he has already had a stadium ban for for violence. This person should never be in a football stadium again, as far as I'm concerned. The only thing I would say, I think it has been dealt with well, but I think he could have been made an example of a little bit more in terms of uh, being accosted and 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 taken away, so so that people actually saw what was happening it was it, it was all a bit discreet but and I, and I would just add Robbie what you said about Prince Guano absolutely amazing I thought the way mm. the way that he reacted and he said actually I'm not even going to press charges against this guy because that's not the way forward I'd rather spread love um, I believe in God and I would rather show him love and hope that perhaps he learns from it and teaches his children differently and uh, we have we have spoken to the league I mentioned to the 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 fact that the league are in association with uh, Lycra um, to, uh, to, to try to stamp this out. They're also working closely and have been for some time with the clubs to try to educate the respective fan bases. And I think, you know, that goes to the, the crux of the argument. It's education, ultimately, isn't it? It's, it's making people realise that what, you know, doing this, it's totally wrong, um, but it's, it's, completely, it's completely stupid, irresponsible, etc. And you know, hopefully, hopefully we are moving in the right direction now. I think the, the only thing that I'd like to say to this, obviously condemning that uh, idiot's actions, but firstly, the reaction from uh, Prince Desir Guano was brilliant, but as is the problem 
in every country in every league where this has happened in recent times it's a problem in society that's just happening at football matches and hence why the education side of things is so important in moving forwards now we are going to move of course on to uh, what happened on the pitch rather than in the stands this weekend and uh, of course we are going to start at the Stade Pierre Morois where the scene was set second against first Paris Saint-Germain though 20 points clear avoid defeat and they would be crowned champions let's see how it went with Robbie Thompson he got his ball in it's not a bad one and it's an own goal Tom Bernier Jonathan Iconi the former Paris Saint-Germain player with the ball in from the left wing Thomas Bernier saw it very very late and couldn't react in time and now the break is on lovely pass from Iconi for Pepe is this the chance Nicola Pepe makes it 2-1 his 19th goal of the season is the little pass from Iconi again with Bumper's shot! And that's three! Jonathan Iconi again with the pass. And Jonathan Bumper with his 11th goal of the season. The ball in, the header! Oh, and they've scored again! And it's the Brazilian youngster Gabriel. Unbelievable! Paris Saint-Germain imploding here. The header, it is five. The captain, Jose Font. Well, this is unbelievable. Paris Saint-Germain, who are on track to set a record points haul to equal the fastest ever Ligue 1 champions in a season. And they are being taught an absolute lesson here at the Stade Pierre Mauroy. Lille 5, Paris Saint-Germain 1. Well, Robbie, absolutely incredible. Paris Saint-Germain conceding five goals in a league game for the first time since 2000. It was, it was quite a night. Tell us, tell us how Lille did this, because I think above all we need to... Of course, we'll talk about PSG and what went wrong for them, but we have to give this Lille side credit. They've been astonishing this season. Well, I always said in recent weeks that Lille are a side that can go all the way to the Champions League. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah. it was, I was trying a... to work it out with Armel just before. What's the opposite of the kiss of death? Because that's basically what I, what I did to, to, to Lille and Lyon. The slap of love? Or... Yeah, something, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Let's be really negative and, and they've positive. turned it around. They, they were impressive. I don't think there was anything revolutionary or perhaps surprising about how Lille played. We know how they played. The, the most surprising thing is perhaps that they were able to do it. But as a Paris Saint-Germain supporter, which I am, I think there are very clearly reasons already. Paris Saint-Germain, you take out three players, plus four players with Marquinhos, who is a defensive player. You lose Thiago Silva in the first half, who's your captain and most experienced defender. At the back, you had Kimpembe, Kerrer and Dagba a right-back who's started eight games or five games in Ligue 1 for Paris Saint-Germain. So there's inexperience at the back. Then you lose Meunier. Then you have Juan Bernat sent off. So you're down to 10 men. It's 1-1. You score an own goal to open the scoring for the, for the opposition. The red card for me, yes, it's a red card. He held his arm. 
But it's a soft red card. Uh, Juan Bernat was sent off for, for just tugging back Nicola Pepe. For, for holding his hand, which, which he did do. There's no there's letter of the law, it's holding a red card. Hand. And then, start of the second half, Tilo Carrer has an incredible chance from a, from a free kick from Paredes to head Paris in front from three yards out. And he manages to put it wide. And a minute later, Lille scores. So that's the scenario of the game. That's how Lille end up in front. Now, from that point... Paris Saint-Germain want a draw to win the title. So they keep trying to play football, a man down with, with no defence at the back, just these kids. Well, Presnel Kimpembe, an excellent defender, World Cup winner. But things went against Paris. And then instead of trying to shut the game down and defend, they kept trying to play. Okay. And that was their mistake. That Probably. was the error of the team. And they concede, well, five goals. While we're on the excuses, I'll just... Uh... Add, it's an interpretation I'll of what happened I'll just add that the, the PSG president, Nasser Al-Khalaifi, was furious with the referee, as were a lot of the players. Um, certain VAR decisions, the, uh, the sending off in particular. Thomas Tuchel came out and he wasn't so, fu- so furious with the, with the referee. He was more furious with his own club. He came out and said, I've had to cobble together teams, basically. He didn't say that exactly that, but he said, I've had 14 or 15 players. I've, I don't have the players. We haven't replaced Rabiot. We haven't replaced La Sanatiara. And he was really angry. Um, you know, I'm not sure how NASA. Well, this is the will, third game in a row where they haven't that. had so their the six excuses, substitutes yeah, on but, the bench. Okay, nobody outside of Paris Saint Germain, Robbie, is going to be feeling sympathy at the moment for Thomas Tuchel or for Paris Saint Germain. Regardless of the absences, Dave, they, they shouldn't be losing 5 1 to anybody in Liga. We all like Thomas Tuchel, but uh, most coaches would get criticism for being tactically naive. The way Paris Saint Germain played into Lille's hands by leaving that much space in behind the defence. And As they did against Strasbourg the previous week. Exactly. And regular listeners to the podcast will know that I'm not Jonathan Ikone's biggest fan, but I thought he had a very good game <laughs> last night. I, I am one of, one of Jonathan Ikone's big Pepe's fans. Goal. <laughs> yeah, and, and the pass for Jonathan Bomber's goal was superb as well. It, it, was like, it was like Tuchel hadn't seen Lille play all season, even though he'd talked them up in everything that he said, talking about their transitional play and their pace. But if you play that higher line and you don't actually manage to get a line in place, which was the problem for the Bomber goal then you're going to concede goals. And Lille played superbly. But Paris Saint-Germain, we, we said this in last week's podcast, any team in the world would struggle without Neymar, Cavani and Di Maria. And uh, Marquinhos but once, now. But once you lose that man, once you lose Juan Bernat, there's no shame in playing for the point. Yeah, you, you don't have, have, to, have to try and yeah. kick on and win the match and rely on Kylian Mbappe. You can play a bit deeper. But Armel, is there any chance that Paris Saint-Germain could do a Genesio with Thomas Tuchel because he has this contract extension apparently on the table. Mm. PSG haven't made it official yet. Apparently everything's been agreed. To do a Genesio is, uh, is what we say now in France for when you take your contract <laughs> away and because uh, Genesio was going to extend it. Can you just it. sign this? Oh, sorry. No, actually. <laughs> and then Jean-Michel Olas changed his Speaking mind. That, I haven't seen your contract yet, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Armel, what, 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 what do you think? It's too cool. Surely he's going to sign his extension. Yeah, I do think so. He'd really have to continue complaining about the club for the next, what, six games, actually seven games left for PSG. Well, I think we all understand his point now, don't we? He's been at it for for the last six weeks at least. Yeah, but I mean, overall in the season, okay, Champions League disappointment, but he has been a breath of fresh air in terms Mm. of man management. You can see the way he's close to Neymar and Kylian Mbappe, etc. So I do think that he is the right man for the job currently, at least give him another year. Emery had two years, so at least give Tuchel another year. And, But the thing that does go against him, 
is he's now had three opportunities to get his team to wrap up the title. You look back to the likes of Laurent Blanc, give him one opportunity to win the title at Troyes, 9-0 they finish it. So has Tuchel got tactically, he's got things wrong, but man management might save him in terms of keeping his contract through to the next yeah. season. Yeah, but it, it's tarnishing PSG season, isn't it somewhat? This this kind of, you know, trying to get over the line, but... Absolutely. I think there's a... there's. Every season, whether it was under Laurent Blanc, whether it was under Unai Emery, once the title was secured, which is not the case yet, there is this relaxation. Whether it's subconscious or not, the players just take their foot off the gas. And there's no denying that that has happened at the moment with this Paris Saint-Germain squad. That There are injuries. And I think I often think back to that period when we started the pod and we were talking about how difficult it was for Thierry Henry with his 15 players out injured, not to mix everything up, but Tuchel is working with a, a squad, reduced squad, missing some of its best elements. It's not easy for him. Mentally, there's no doubt that the club was struck very, very hard by that elimination against Manchester think, United. And a lot of people in the media and everywhere are talking, well, Manchester United, season's finished now for Paris Saint-Germain. They're, they're going to win the league. They're 20 points clear. And this is seeping into the squad. The players are hearing this just repetitively. Season's finished, season's finished, season's finished. And that, well, this is the reaction now. You have... The players, when they're struggling like this, mentally and physically, this is the performance. It also shows how difficult it is to do what Paris have done so far this season, to be so far in front, because Lille are a very good side. Lyon beat them as well. Very good side. And what Paris have achieved until the last three weeks in Ligue 1 has been exceptional. I thought what Kylian Mbappe said was fair enough last night. It was brilliant what he said after Thomas Tuchel tried to play it down. I understand why he did that. That's his job as the coach. But when Kylian Mbappe on national TV says we played like novices and we didn't play with enough personality to use a very French word. Well, I'm not quite sure how character. we... Character. Character is the right mm. word. Yeah, thanks, Rob. Good no job problem. you're here. Um, <laughs> but I, I like that from Mbappe. We talked about Tovan speaking frankly last week mm. after a setback for Marseille. And that is what I want to see from a 20-year-old. I want him to be honest about his performances and the team's performances. Exactly. He said it was unacceptable to lose like that. You can lose a football match, but not like that. But I thought another thing Kylian Mbappe said for a 20-year-old shows great, great awareness and, and understanding. He was asked the question by the, the journalist at full time. So is, basically, is this the crisis? What happened? Is this a problem with Paris Saint-Germain? Is this an endemic crisis problem? And he said, whoa, 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 settle down. Let's not go too far. We've lost one match. We're going to be champions. Yes, we were terrible on the pitch tonight. This is not a problem with the club. This is a problem yeah. with the players that played this 90 it's minutes. An off night. It's an off night and Paris Saint-Germain should. But do Paris Saint-Germain have the right to have off nights? And I'll just, one last thing from me on yes. this. You're going to say Kylian Mbappe shouldn't have been on the pitch at the end of the match for the stamp, right? I'm, I'm going to say <laughs> that there's a great line from the 1961 film The Hustler where Fast Eddie says, the Paul Newman character, you can beat me, but I'm still the best. <laughs> Robbie, you've lost me. You've totally lost me there, but that's fine. Back to the football. I'm more comfortable there. Um, Armel, we've, we, we've got to give credit. I've, I've just mentioned the fact that PSG can and probably will win the league, although we said that last week, but they probably will win the league away to Nantes on, on Wednesday night. If they don't do it on Wednesday night, if they lose the game, then they host Monaco on Sunday. They'll need to get a point and Lille will need to keep winning. PSG are going to will win be the champions. league. They will be champions. We'll keep on saying that. And as Robbie's been saying pod. all along, Lille will finish second. Exactly, thank you, Dave. Well, exactly. This, I wanted to move the conversation on to Lille because uh, they, they were sensational last night. It's been a, an unbelievable turnaround. They were 
in relegation trouble, big relegation trouble when Galtier took over in December 2017. They just about survived last year. A few shrewd signings later, Nicola Pepe has uh, stepped up as well this season. He's moved to another level without a question. Armel, the turnaround has, has just been absolutely sensational. Perhaps the biggest turnaround in terms of uh, a team being transformed uh, in, in modern French football history. Absolutely. This was a club that last year looked to be sinking under new ownership that had big ideas but didn't seem to have the... Uh... And the Marcelo Bielsa effect as well. <laughs> the Marcelo Bielsa a, effect, a of course, which was part of that, Lille. bringing them down. And Nicola Pepe, yes, he did score goals last season, but he's taken on such a, such a huge role in the current campaign. I think he's now top of the assists charts too, as well as 19 being... 19 and 10 assists, so level with... 10, 11, didn't you Maria? get two last night? Oh, two, yes. Yeah, it'd be 11, ahead, ahead of Savanier and yeah. Angel Di Maria now. Mm. There we go. You're so right. um, he's, he's an example of, on the pitch, how far this, this team have come. Uh, let's not forget also they were missing someone who'd have had great fun against Paris Saint-Germain's defence last night, which was Raphael Leal, someone that they signed as part of their development programme, signing these young players, who's proved that he is very much... Uh, the talent they thought he was yeah. going to be this season. And his input, Raphael Leal's input, and of course Christophe Galtier, who I think we've mentioned before, didn't really believe he was going to keep Lille up last season. It's been an incredible season for and Lille, that, and it, they've been a very, very entertaining team to watch, most of all. Raphael Leal, one of the players that uh, Lille have said this weekend will be staying in the summer. Luis Campos, the sporting director, said that. However, Gerard Lopez, the club president, said that... Uh, they will be likely selling four or five players, which is obviously slightly worrying news as far as Lille are concerned. That's how it works. That's, that's how the, it that's works. The business who, Dave, who are the four or five that are going? I guess uh, we all know that Nicola Pepe will be going if they get the offer that, that they want for him. Yeah, definitely Pepe and how they use the money they'll get in for him will be the exactly. key that's to their the next key. season that's because the that's where the really big money will come from. Um, you expect Thiago Mendes to move on, that he was close mm -hmm. to leaving in January as for the other two, well, take your pick. And they'll be tested by offers. And Kevin Malqui wasn't meant to go last well, summer. Selic, but the Turkish right back. That was what I was thinking mm. of Jellic. Uh, You've got to think about financially as well, where you're going to make your money. And that uh, Selic, I think well, they bought for yeah. 2 million or 2.5 million. They, they obviously million. think Liao will be probably you know, worth a lot more in a year well, or Liao two. Liao is also is very complicated because Liao, is, uh, his contract is uh, being looked at by FIFA, I think, because he cancelled his contract with Sporting Lisbon after the players were attacked. Lots of players left. Jelson Martins is another one who, who left sporting somewhat under a cloud when the players were attacked by fans. So they all left for free. And now Sporting Lisbon want a, a lot of money back for Rafael Leao and Martins, for example. So look, it's not clear exactly yet what's, what's going to happen there. And you'd hope Bomber stays on for another season um, because I think he'll be worth a lot more come 2020 as well. And there are also other players like Thiago Maia who could leave. Who, they could be one of the, the four or five that could leave and we've never seen them. I think as well as players, a key uh, part of Lille's summer in building for next season will be holding on to Luis Campos. There's a lot of big True. European yeah. clubs looking for sporting directors and he is... There are. One of those with the biggest reputation. Arsenal as well as the big European clubs. Just uh, This is Lille's best ever season in terms of points now, with 64 points after 32 games. They've won the, the league three times. They never had as many points as they have now after 32 matches. But just one final point for the biggest ever turnaround. I can think of one. Nantes 
escaping relegation on the final day of the 2000 season and then winning the league a year later was uh, quite impressive. I can as think well. of some turnarounds the other way round as well, where teams have been very good one year and pretty hopeless the next. But I don't need to go. Monaco. Into those. <laughs> I've got I've got a team that won the title after winning promotion, but I've just got doubt as to who it was. I was working on that that feature. Ah, it's going to come to me. It's going to come to me later. Later in the pod, we're going to move on. Lille have been sensational. They are eight points clear of Lyon in the race. Is it not Strasbourg? For automatic Champions League qualification. No, but we'll get it. We'll, we'll get it just after this commentary. We're going to join Andy Scott to see how Leon got on in their game against Nantes. And Khalifa Koulibaly is in here. Big chance for Nantes to take the lead. Koulibaly tucks it away. Limbombe's free kick. Oh, what a brilliant hit. What a stunning strike. Anthony Limbombe. And what a blow that could be to Leon's Champions League hopes. Well, more drama in Ligue 1 at the Beaujois last weekend. And uh, what is going on at Lyon? Uh, three defeats in, in quick succession. They crashed out of the uh, French Cup in the semi-finals at home to Rennes. They lost at home to Dijon. They've now lost away to Nantes, who were almost as, uh, as bad in terms of their form as, uh, as Dijon have been of late. Bruno Genesio was a couple of weeks ago on the brink of signing uh, a contract extension. The extension was taken away from him after the uh, semi-final defeat. And since then, it's just gone from bad to worse for Leon And Bruno Genesio, after that second straight defeat in the league, came out afterwards and announced that he will be leaving the club in the summer. So even if Jean-Michel Olas would like to, uh, to keep him on, he will be at least standing down as coach. He did say he may stay on in another capacity at the club. But uh, Genesio is standing down. He feels that uh, that is the best decision, even though in his statement he, he admitted the timing isn't good with six games to go. But this is a club in 3-4 and only three points now above Saint-Étienne. And of course, Lyon have to finish third to finish in the Champions League. If they fail to do that, it would be uh, a real disaster and Jean-Michel Olas will be left with egg on his face. Guys, has Genesio made the right decision here? I think so. I think he he mentioned stability of the club and that the atmosphere wasn't right to keep progressing with him in charge and the current situation with the weeks of deliberation about whether he was going to be um whether his contract was going to be extended or not. And I think Genesio has almost done as much as he can do with that club. Perhaps I'm wrong in saying that, but I do feel like the the best coaches and Lyon do claim to be one of the top European clubs. That's certainly their president, Jean-Michel Olas's ambition. And I think the best coaches have not only tactical nous, the sort of the likes of which Genesio has showed on occasions with victory against Manchester City, victories against Paris Saint-Germain. He is someone with tactical knowledge, but he lacks the personality. And I think it's fair to say he has now lost the dressing room, whereas that was something that wasn't perhaps the case a few weeks ago against Nantes. We saw Depay on the bench, Fakir, his captain yeah. on the bench. Well, he, axed, he axed a lot of the big name players. But Fakir has been truly terrible in recent yeah. weeks. I've, I've commentated a number of Lyon games recently, and uh, it's not even that the stats aren't there. It's his general demeanour, the amount of ground he covers. Uh, he's the man you'd look to for inspiration as that happened when they needed to get into the last 16 of the Champions League. He scored that great goal at Shakhtar Donetsk. But when you needed him to stand up and 
really lead the team or Marcelo, who's the vice captain, having taken over from Lopez last season. You're looking to those two to lead the way and they've been totally absent and that hasn't helped Genesio or Lyon. I don't think it's good for a coach to say, look, I, I'm jumping off this ship, boys. Six games to go. Good luck. That's in, in, in essence the message that he's saying as well is that, look, the club aren't going to make this decision. I, I don't think a coach should ever quit his position. That's not what a coach is there for. The coach he's not is quitting there. his position. He's well, saying that he he's will. He's saying that position. he will leave. But basically, he's saying, well, this is, this is it for me. Game's up. What well, are the play- how are the players means, meant I, to interpret that? When they lost to Dijon, you said, well, that's the players voting with their feet on the pitch that they don't want Genesio to stay. At least now they don't have that excuse that the players have to play for themselves. They have to play for the club. They have to play for their future moves because some of these players are losing some credibility. Memphis They're losing some value as well. Uh, before it comes to the summer, even Ndombele, and I know we're all admirers mm-hmm. of Ndombele, that there's more and more being said about him, about how he doesn't have, he's not a talker on the training ground or on the pitch, that even he's admitted that sometimes he finds it harder to motivate himself to run when they play against teams like Gangon than he does when he plays against the big teams in the Champions League or in the, the top league and matches. Well, that's another thing that a player should never, ever say as well. Very important news, Justin. I've, I've just had... Um, uh, a brainwave. It was Monaco who won the league in 1978. <laughs> oh, and the, the year, The year after they won promotion with Roland Corbis in, in their defence. And uh, yeah, I would say that was the, the biggest uh, sort of turnaround in, in fortunes, even bigger than Lille. And um, a little segue there, because I, I want to talk about that sort of era. 1981, the last time Lyon had a foreign manager, it was Vladimir Kovacevic. Kovacevic, sorry. Sorry, it was before my time. Um, do they need to go foreign? We've talked about Laurent Blanc. He's one name that, uh, that has been linked with the role. Reports that uh, Jose Mourinho was spotted at Lyon's airport. That made Bruno Genesio laugh. Um, other names being linked, Hervé Renard, Marcelo Gallardo, the, uh, the River Plate boss as well, who's very well known in, in French football already. What is next? And also, but this is a this is not an, an an argument for for me whether you go a foreign coach or not. Why why wouldn't you go a foreign coach? Why is this a, yeah, a an argument if for, he's a good for coach, people? He's a good for a coach. national team, I can understand yeah. this argument. For the national mm. team, I want a French coach. But for the club, they've had they've had foreign players. They've they've got foreign supporters. They've why not go and for a not, foreign? They're not coach? going it's to crazy. get anyway a big name. They've got foreign they? investment. If they're, if they're not in the Champions League, they're not going to get a big name. That's the other big issue. Wait, if they want someone who wins games, why not appoint Reynel Pedros and? PSG had an awful weekend. Lyon's yes, women's yes. team thrashed them on, on Saturday <laughs> the, with Pedros in charge in the women's. French international. No, I, I think, think it would got... be great for us if they appointed a high-profile foreigner. Mm. Um, I do think that Jean-Michel Olas is, is wary of this. Uh, um, after what happened with a domestic coach that he appointed with Claude Puel, he gave a lot of power to Puel. And after a glut of trophies, three trophyless seasons, and I don't think that Jean-Michel Olas wants to hand over power. That's why... Genesio had the ideal profile for him and he'd rather work with someone like that. But he opinion. always wanted to go with someone that had played for the club as well, didn't he? You had the, the Uber Fournier as well, who was there just before, then Genesio. These people that he says have the, the, the club DNA Is... in, their, in their system, but they have coaches in the, the junior ranks, foreign coaches that played for the club as well. And there's, is he completely out of the picture, Gerard Houllier? He's there every week. He's yeah, someone well, he's that's a, won titles with the club before. He's, a, he's an, an advisor to the, to the president the at the moment. Ambassador for External Affairs, I think. Yes, but the, what about Chris title. and Kasapa? They're yeah. both uh, mm. in the coaching ranks, in the, in the junior ranks. 
Juninho has always Giannino. said he'd like to come well, back. Juninho has often been linked with the sporting director role, and mm. for different reasons, it's been very complicated. But he would be a hugely popular appointment if not but as can coach, he coach. Then sporting, well, sporting director with yeah, why not with a Chris or a, a Casapa as a, as a, as a coach? Maybe that would be an option if if they don't qualify for for the Champions League. Dave, but that's a foreign what about, coach. What about would... a straight swap? Rafael Benitez to Leon Genesio for Newcastle. <laughs> Bruno's been linked with Newcastle. Uh, um, uh, no. <laughs> please no <laughs> please no that's coming from a from a Newcastle fan now we're gonna just uh, bring you uh, a new segment that I dreamt up this morning it's called coup de gueule which is an expression the French love it basically means uh, a rant and I think on Monday mornings personally I need to have this coup de gueule so I'm gonna do it this week but each week we're gonna have a, a little coup de gueule a little rant from everybody now what got to me a little bit this weekend I heard post-match reaction at Strasbourg who drew with uh, Gangon 3-3. And uh, recently as well, maybe a few days before, yeah, Nîmes, when they beat Rennes in, in midweek, they were all coming out. These teams are, are doing really well, sort of mid-table, can, can push on and, and finish, even in the European places. And they all came out and said, uh, yes, we've done it. We've avoided relegation. Now, this is, I think this is a really kind of French thing. And it was born um, when Guy Roux was in charge of, of, of uh, Auxerre for all those years. And Giroud would, would just do miracle after miracle. He'd have this tiny little uh, Burgundy village competing with the big guns of, of French football and they'd be third in the league and they'd have 40 points by Christmas. And Giroud would say, well, we're happy. We've achieved our objective and now, uh, you know, we've done it. We've avoided relegation. And he'd do it with a little glint in his eye, knowing full well that they were going to push on and, uh, and compete for the title. It was a little bit tongue-in-cheek, wasn't it? I mean, it, they'd be, it they'd be in, in the semi-finals of the UEFA Cup and but he'd be saying, serious. well, we've survived. But now it's serious. I mean, a- anybody watching Ligue 1 this season knows full well that, that Gangon, Dijon and uh, Caen are going to finish in the bottom three. Nobody else is. These teams are struggling horribly. Certainly Nîmes and Strasbourg shouldn't be even mentioning relegation as far as I'm concerned. They should be looking up, onwards and upwards. So no more, well done, guys. We've saved relegation. Thank just, you. just for the likes on Twitter. The only reason they do it. For the just likes. for the likes. Yeah, possibly. Possibly. The only reason Matt does it. Or the only reason they do <laughs> now, it. Now, officially, oh, that too, guys, <laughs> Marseille have avoided relegation. And they won. They won at the weekend. David Crossan was, uh, was our commentator for this game between Marseille and Nîmes. Payet. Chance, goal. Valerjama at the front post. He came on for the injured Balotelli in the first half. And Germain has made the breakthrough. Luis Gustavo again goes for the top corner. 2-0, two goals in two minutes. Well, Garcia's decision to give Luis Gustavo his first start since February is rewarded with a goal. Dave, it was, uh, it was a win. It was an important win because it keeps them just on Saint-Étienne's tail. They're in fifth position, Marseille. Five points behind Lyon and potential Champions League qualification. But uh, I think it's fair to say it wasn't convincing and it got a bit nervy at the end as well. Very nervy at the end. Uh, already it was, there were nerves when Mario Balotelli went off just after the half-hour mark. He got hurt early in the game and that means he failed to score at the Velodrome for the first time since joining Olympique de Marseille. Josip Skoblar's nine-match consecutive scoring sequence at the start of his OM career is safe. Balotelli stopped on five. But what happened in the 94th minute was incredible and it really infuriated me. If you hadn't done a coup de girl, I might have done a coup de girl on what Bounassar <laughs> did in the 94th minute. That he was inside his own 
16.5 meter area, yeah, the 18 so yards. Just to set the scene, it's 2 1 to Marseille. It's 2 1 to Marseille. Last seconds of the game. Exactly. Denny Buanga is closing in on goal. Bunasar goes to challenge him. There's slight contact between the two. Bunasar goes down the Marseille right back, falls on the ball and handles it. And the referee, Frank Schneider, points to the penalty spot. Eventually, this is overturned on a VAR review as Schneider goes over to look at the screen on the halfway line and decides that there was enough contact between Buanga and Saar for it to be a Marseille free kick. Saar ended up laughing. I am sure that Rudy Garcia had words with him afterwards. But it's something I remember from watching Italian football in the 1990s growing up in Britain and it infuriating me. I mean, Paul Ince, the English midfielder, went to Italy and within a week, Every time that there was the slightest bit of contact, he'd yeah. fall on the ball and handle it. Dimitri Payet does it quite a lot for Marseille. He did it before David setting up a good chance. But it's the yeah, referee. I mean, well for Payet referees have a, have a tough job, but they seem to blow systematically, don't they? Where, as that, soon as that the defender last falls minute, over. I mean, if, as Dave said, if I was Rudy Garcia, my word, I would be having words with Bunasar. If that, you cost your team two points there because he can clear that ball. He, can, he, can, he takes a step after the contact before going down and falling deliberately with his hands, grabbing the ball. He could have cleared it and then asked for the free kick or said, what's, mm. what's going on? You don't do that in your own penalty box That's at 2-1 when you're trying to stay alive in Europe. Risk assessment, Booner. You're in your penalty exactly. box. You could, Dimitri <laughs> yeah. Payet did it, created a chance. He was in Nîmes half. This exactly. was his own penalty is, box. Yeah. No, it's madness. Madness for a defender. And it would have been, look, as a, as, not as a Paris supporter, but look, it would have been just incredible if... if that penalty had stood, and, and Savanier is a master from the penalty spot he, as well. He, and it, I, I watched that game, actually. I mean, he's, he's really impressive. He's I, very I, impressive. I read an article about Teji uh, Savanier, who is... Uh, uh, we should a, have a chat about him one day. From a, yeah, pod. absolutely. From a gypsy background, mm. he's enjoying his first season in, 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 the, top, in the top flight. Yeah. Loves his fast he food. lives in Montpellier, but he's, in, yeah, a, in like, a housing commission flat in Montpellier with all his still, family. He still treats himself to a McDonald's after, after games. He said <laughs> that when he played in the lower leagues, he'd be pizza and McDonald's every day. Now he's cut out the sodas and uh, it's just after, a, after a game, he, he, he has a McDonald's. But a really grounded guy and... You know, he's 27 and people are thinking, where has he been for the mm. last few years? Because this guy, yeah. he's, he's been he's so talent. His delivery is amazing. The way he gets this dip on the yep. ball from his corners and free kicks is such a danger. I mean, I've seen him strongly linked with Saint-Etienne in recent weeks and I could see him being a valuable addition. He can never, he'll qualify. never leave his family. He said, he said he he lives, in this interview, he'll he said he would. He'd happily leave with his family and then come back to the, the Montpellier housing estate at the end of his career. Because yeah, you look at his career so far, Arles Avignon, Montpellier and Nîmes, they're all separated mm. by, well, about a hand's length. And they all hate so, each other. They all hate each other. He's done all him, of yeah. them. I can't see him going to Burnley or somewhere like that. Although they do have McDonald's there, he might, he might settle. But just, Dave, for, to, to finish on Marseille, um, they've got quite a tough run in. They've got Lyon coming up. They've got Lille. Uh, they've got ground to make up. Of course, if they beat Lyon, uh, then that, that would slash the, uh, the gap between them and third. Can you see them? The way they're playing... Balotelli injured, we're told it's not serious, but uh, uh, can you see them finishing in, in the Champions League? I can't see them finishing in the top three, no mats, but um, they're not playing with the consistency within a game that even when they win, it's going to be difficult for them. Um, that They need a bit more solidity. What the, the one thing that was really good out of Saturday was Luis Gustavo re-emerging mm. from a couple of months of not being a starter. 
and he was running as hard and pressing as hard as why, I remember him from last Garcia, season when he was Garcia the outstanding left him player. Out for so long. We're delighted to see him back. Well, I said well, it, Rudy Garcia said, you know, "Why would I leave my best player out if he was at one hundred percent?" Suggesting that there's something that we don't know about, and he just mm. said, "I want to get the great Luis Gustavo back." For me, mm. Luis Gustavo on Saturday was great, and it was capped off by a wonderful goal where he floated it over the, the neem keeper's head. Matt, you said just before that if Leon don't qualify for the Champions League in that in that top two, it would be an absolute disaster for their project. Well, where does this leave Marseille? Because if Paris Saint Germain don't win the French Cup final, fifth place does not qualify for the Europa League either. Rennes will be in the Europa well, Marseille League. Marseille might feel it's better to have a season without the Europa League. That's a, that, that, that's a different no, debate. That, no, they, no they've club will ever the... tell you it's better that we don't qualify for a for a European tournament. Chelsea might when they won the title a few years ago. No, that's not, not possible. Story. Not I think possible. Marseille. They, yeah. A lot of some players played nearly sixty matches last season, including Luis Gustavo and Adil Rami. Look at Luis Gustavo yeah. and Adil Rami's seasons this season. The wrong side of thirty, it definitely hasn't. I think there's a point. Robbie is shaking his head in disgust at us. So we're going to move on and stay in the in the European battle. I had a lovely uh, Sunday afternoon in the sun, um, commentating Saint Etienne against Bordeaux. What a stadium! The Stade Francais. It was uh, absolutely bouncing um, on Sunday night or Sunday afternoon. The game was not great in the first half, but uh, there was an incident, actually, a little bit like Bounassar. I just wanted to mention it, but a far more experienced defender, Loic Perrin, got himself a bit isolated up against um, Jan Caramo on, on the wing, and he slipped over, and Caramo was going to be away, and Perrin stuck his arm out, grabbed it, and sort of just uh, basically... But he wasn't in his Basically cheated, box. but did it quite intelligently. Risk otherwise, assessment. Otherwise, they, <laughs> they, they were in trouble. But it was actually another defender who made the headlines for Saint-Étienne in what was uh, an impressive 3-0 win against Bordeaux. It is three. It's Debussy at the double. The former Arsenal man prodding home. It's his eighth goal in Ligue 1 since he returned, joining Saint-Étienne last year. But Saint-Étienne are very much on the up. They move back into fourth position. They are only three points behind their rivals, Lyon. Three points off a possible Champions League qualification. Yeah, Machi Dabushi with two goals and uh, a really strong performance. And just uh, watching that game, commentating that game, it, it, it was hammered home to me just how his professionalism and his serious attitude, you know, forget the goals. The goals, yes, he's, uh, he's, he, he's scored eight since he, uh, since he moved to France in January of last year. Only one defender in the big five European leagues has, uh, has got a stat to match that, Sergio Ramos. So Debussy is, uh, is, in, is in good company. But I just his attitude, the way he's 100% for every challenge, for every header, I think it rubs off on the young players around him. He got a kicking just before and looked like he might have to come off. And that's why Jean-Louis Gasset said post-match, it's a pleasure to work with players like Mathieu Debussy. And... He really, much like some of the other members of that Lille squad, he sprang to prominence a bit later than you'd imagine that players would make the breakthrough. He was very, very good at Newcastle. Not so good at Arsenal, I'm led to believe. Hardly played. Yeah, yeah. two, <laughs> two bad injuries as well. He was very good at Lille. Won the mm. league at Lille in 2011. And can I also add that Sergio Ramos takes penalties? Matthew Debussy doesn't. Yeah, and, he's, so. and he scored important goals, Debussy. I mean, Absolutely. Was it a last-minute equaliser in the derby against Lyon? And yep. he's suited to this system with the, the three centre-halves, gives him licence to get forward. And what it does do, and this would be amazing for Livers fans, that they've been the, the butt of jokes from OL, it's a touchy subject, um, about playing the Champions League on their games consoles at home and how they'd love 
to finish above That's OL it. and get the Champions That's League you spot. Think, you think Leon are going to get even more sort of twitchy seeing Saint-Étienne now just three points behind them. Robbie, what would it mean to have Saint-Étienne, this, uh, this famous old French football club, back in the Champions League? They were finalists in 1976. They had the whole of France behind them in, in the 70s, turning around uh, European ties against, against the Giants. There's a real love for them and their support is incredible. It would be amazing, no? It would be amazing for Saint-Étienne and their supporters. I'm not sure if they'd be able to really mix it yet on the Champions League. But let's not forget, they returned to Europe, what was it, two seasons ago. They were back in Europe for the first time since 1980. Four, four or five years at least. Three, four, it was going back yeah. that far. Yeah. 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 Teams qualified consistently for Europe. Yes, true. But and, and those scenes of them in Manchester when they played Manchester United, the fans on the road, it was, it was fantastic, this sea of green. Look. It's great. They're an old romantic club. We don't have that much nostalgia and romance anymore in modern football. Yes, it would be great to see them back at the top table in Europe, but perhaps there are other French clubs. Yeah, we... but I, I, I know. You have and, to earn uh, it. You have to deserve it. There's producer, no point. Producer Ian is, is suggesting that, you know, for, for France's coefficients, might be better to have Lyon in there. Certainly Lyon have, have more experience. I mean, Marseille recently got zero points, didn't they, in their, in their Champions League group? Lyon, Lyon this year have, have done well. But who's to say Saint-Étienne? With the culture of this football club, with a good manager, if yeah, they can provided keep John they reach the group Who's stage, I think they, they do as, as well as Monaco did. Monaco have only taken what three points since they sold all their players since in they made the semi Champions League yeah. football since they made the yeah, semi finals. You know, you buy you buy a couple of uh, shrewd shrewd players. I, I do have one thing against Saint Etienne though, Matt. I, I'd love them to be able to add something more to that fantastic museum that is in the stadium. But one of the artifacts in that museum, you get a chance to take penalties against Stefan Ruffier. And I swear I belted my penalty. It was heading for the top corner. It dribbled along the floor. Ruffier picked it up. And I could see him laughing at me. <laughs> I just didn't enjoy that at all. So I He's want to a, go back uh, to Saint-Étienne. I'm going to beat Stefan Ruffier. The big imposing goalkeeper. Though, I, did, I did that at the FA Museum in Manchester when we were there uh, recently for our 2-0 victory over United. And I, and I absolutely injured my quad uh, taking the left foot. Because I, 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 I wanted to leather it as well. There's something about taking on just a computer screen that really make, brings Risk out all the anger. assessment, Robbie. <laughs> it's, it's that career I should have had, and I'm going to give it all now in this penalty against a computer. Dave, you mentioned Monaco and their disappointing recent Champions League campaign. They're still battling relegation. I would say they're one team that would be allowed to say, yes, we've avoided relegation when they do. I'm, I'm sure they will, because there's still a, a big gap between, between the bottom three. But they're, they're struggling a little bit. They got on, on a good run of wins in the early days under Leonardo Jardim. But uh, Armel uh, was on hand to see them struggle. Well, let's hear. Let's hear what happened in the game between Monaco and Rance. Quarter of an hour to go. Lopez delivers. Can they click again? Well, that's three times he's come close from a corner kick. Can they click? And this might be the chance for Monaco now. It's Ronnie Lopez bearing down on goal. Oh, a second bite to the cherry. Was not enough for Ronnie Lopez. It is a much better point for the visitors than it is for Leonardo Jardim's Monaco. Armel, Monaco firing blanks. They've had, I'm told, 69 shots in their last three games and they've only scored one goal. And that one goal came in the 94th minute against a team that were bottom of the table at kickoff. Um, and the guy who scored it, Stevan Jovetic, went off with what looked like a horrible injury um, this weekend against Raus. It's a bit of a strange situation because if you take Saturday's game against Raus, 
The first half was very open, very enjoyable, despite there being no goals. The second half was all Monaco. I don't think Rouse really created a single chance. Monaco had shot after shot after shot. And whether it was Ronnie Lopez, Gelson Martins, or Jovetic, who eventually went off, as I say, no one could seem to beat Edouard Mendy, who wasn't even until the 93rd minute forced into the saves that have made his name this season. Granted, Monaco were missing Falcao last week, who has scored a lot of their goals recently, but he returned in the second half against Raus. Unfortunately, Stevan Jovetic, whose link-up play had looked brilliant up until the point of his injury, they didn't get many minutes together. That may have helped them score more goals, but the guy who came closest to scoring was Kamil Glick. Up on three separate corners, he hit the crossbar with one of them. It's, it's a strange... This is a Monaco side that we all saw two or three years ago under the same coach, scoring with every single counter-attack. The team has changed. The back four is pretty much the same, so mm -hmm. that makes sense that they're keeping clean sheets as well. If you're a Monaco fan or in, in the club, you're happier now than if you'd only had nine chances in three matches and scoring that one late goal. I don't, I don't know. You have to, surely you're thinking, we're creating so many chances. We're going so close. Our luck is going to turn. I don't think you're down in the dumps if you're Monaco. No, I think moment. if you're a Monaco fan, you're happy regardless because you just go go out in the sunshine and <laughs> <laughs> well, again, have Matt, a walk you're, around you're the that you're, No, you well, want to <laughs> qualify for the Europa League. You're now seven points clear of the relegation zone, so at least that little bit of early season sweat has gone. And continuing Robbie's point that you are creating chances, they lost Fabregas to an injury after mm. 14 minutes of play on Saturday and still created chances. So there are some positives. You can ring yeah. them out. I think ever since Le Beau interviewed uh, Cesc Fabregas, we've, uh, we've, we've jinxed him. And uh, speaking of Le Beau our podcast, you can email questions into us. Our email address is uh, ligue1podcast at gmail.com. That's ligue1, L-I-G-U-E-1, the number, podcast at gmail.com. Dave, one of, the, one of the heroes of Rance's season, he kept his 13th clean sheet um, at the weekend, Edouard Mendy, who uh, has just launched his professional career at a fairly late stage. But, uh, but this season, having helped them win promotion last season, he's been just absolutely sensational. I mean, certainly one of the best in Liga. He's athletic, and I get the impression that in the summer he's liable to move on to one of the top six clubs in France. Well, Brands might finish in the top six, so, but <laughs> you, you know what I mean. And, no, I've been really impressed by him, and he's been helped by... A very good defence. I, I really like mm. their centre half pairing. Um, and Abdelhamid, very solid, player. fantastic. Player. It's, it's a, a back four. The two Belgians they signed this summer have both got Champions League experience, so shrewd acquisitions that no one really heard of, if that's the right way to say it. Abdelhamid is an intelligent guy. Mm. He started his professional career late as well. He's got a degree in finance, so he knows how to use that brain of his. And Mendy is the, the surprise at the back, if you like, and he's the breath of fresh air. And yes, I agree with Dave. Uh, what makes it more on. impressive that he's joint level with Benitez of Nice on the number of clean sheets is that Rams play a more attacking style than Nice. And, just, uh, only just. <laughs> marginally, but definitely. No, they do, yeah, definitely. They do, I they agree, do. I agree. Uh, and that means that Mendy has had some work to do and what he has done, he's done very well. Nice really have no attack whatsoever, Matt. Despite having yeah, some no, maximum. True, true. No, but Rams have, Rams have some really good attacking players, but they play this kind of very compact game mm. and then look to, to spring and hit on, on, on the counter-attack. Not Boulay Dia. Just to try to justify <laughs> my always. point. Boulay Dia, Robbie's one to watch, is uh, continuing to plunder in the goals, is he, Robbie? 
It no. was uh, the one to watch was just also to tell his story, yeah, which yeah. is a fantastic oh, okay. story yeah. as well. And I did stress, I think, at the time that he's not going to sign for Real Madrid this summer. He hit the post this weekend. We'll give him that. Guys, um, this weekend, uh, Rouse play host to Saint Etienne. That's a big one in uh, in the European battle. We're going to enjoy our little uh, Bon Voyage segment now. The sun is out. The uh, the uh, the cafes are. Uh, a booming with their terrace in in, in oh, Paris. Someone should tell Lil because I am almost froze to death last night. In <laughs> Lil. Go, yeah, I read this, this, this morning about three degrees actually. about things getting a bit show, a bit hot between Nasser El Khalifi and Luis Campos, and the photo they used to illustrate it looked like they were sharing blankets. But I don't think that's what the story was relating to. It was more to do with the refereeing. There were blankets involved. Dave, <laughs> Dave you always you, you always see through these these headlines. We're we're going to look forward to next weekend. This is our Bon Voyage segment. We're going to start with Armel, our uh, sort of half Welsh, half English, half French, and 100% Breton <laughs> journalist. Armel Tangi, where would you like to go this weekend? How about a trip to Brittany on Friday? I think we'll uh, get in touch with our producer, Ian, who uh, knows Didier Drogba very well, seen him a lot recently, and go and see his two former clubs in Gagan and Marseille. Many reasons for this being a, a good fixture. It finished 3 uh, all last season. Gagal just drew 3-0 this weekend as well. They're unbeaten in three at home to Marseille, having won two of those. They've got everything to to play for. Well, they they have to play now, otherwise they're going to get relegated. They have to try and win this. Uh, they've only lost four of their last 14 at home to Marseille in all competitions. And Marcus Turam could seal his move to Marseille by rattling in a hat-trick. And a little word you'll like this, Matt, as well for Paul Scholes. Dimitri Payet has four goals and four assists in seven games in an OM shirt against Gangar. So yeah. if he does was, watch Ligue 1 this weekend... Uh, just to explain that, I was a little bit shocked by Paul Scholes' analysis on BT Sport when he claimed that, that Dimitri Payet will only ever be known for his time at West Ham and that he hasn't done anything in his career. I tried to, on, on Twitter, Fantastic. remind people that Dimitri has done the odd thing. <laughs> has done the odd thing in Ligue 1. Robbie, I'm going to guess. Where are you going to go? Up the road? Groundhog Day, Matt. For me, I'll be in Nantes on Wednesday, hoping to uh, secure the league at the third time of asking. And then, hell, home, I'll be though, back at the Parc des Princes on Sunday. Sorry? It's better to do it at home. It's a better party, isn't it? Yeah, that's what, I think that's what uh, was in the back of the players' minds, certainly. Um, having missed out at home well. to Strasbourg. No, I'm not sure. No, no, obviously, look, I'll be, I'll be in Nantes uh, and, and then at the Parc on Sunday night for PSG Monaco. But look, it would be nice if uh, we could get that win, wouldn't it? Everyone. It would be nice. I really? feel I've been a little bit it on would, the defensive today. It would be I great. If, imagine if the title race pre-pod. went into May. Imagine if the Premier League was done before Liga. Dave, where, 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 where are you going this weekend? I, I'm going to go to Lyon on Friday night uh, because I want to see what team Bruno Genesio picks. Is he going to start Fakir? Is he going to start Depay? How will the players respond to the tumult at the club? And how will the supporters behave? You don't need to go to Lyon. To, you could just look at... Twitter or League1.com to find I could just follow your Twitter feed but I'm (laughs) going to go to Lyon for Lyon-Angers on Friday night good food in Lyon as well you don't don't eat better anywhere else in the world I would say absolutely top notch the centre of um, Sydney barbecue gastronomy go go to Lyon and have a canal have a canal yes it's lovely guys before we get bogged down in the food talk I think we should uh liberate our listeners we hope you've enjoyed episode 7 of Le Beau Jeu 
and we very much hope to see you again next week from uh, Robbie Thompson, David Cross and Armel Tangi and me, Matt Spiro. It's time to say au revoir et à bientôt. Au revoir. Au revoir. Au revoir. Oh, the pass is brilliant for Pepe. That's over. The Saint-Étienne has surely won it in the 89th minute. Oh, what a goal. And Kylian Mbappé wraps it up.